0: Jewish Audio on kabat.org Who are you? For real? Who is the person next to you? The reality is that we judge people based on how they appear. Even the people that we believe we know well in our lives, we still tend to judge them based on the external appearance or their behaviors or the words they use or the actions they choose to do. But the truth is, that if you look a little deeper, and if you dig beneath the surface, you will uncover a great depth within every single person. There's more, there's something deeper, there's the real person. There's a very powerful moment in this week's Torah portion when the Torah tells us about the passing of Aaron, the high priest. After he passed, the entire nation mourns. And the commentary has explained to us that the reason why the entire nation mourned is because everybody felt a deep sense of personal loss with the passing of Aaron. The reason was because Aaron dedicated his life to making peace among people. As an example, The Midrash tells us that if Aaron would hear about two people in a fight, he would go over to one of them and say, do you know that your friend is crying his heart out? He feels terrible about what he did to you. He wants to beg your forgiveness. And all of a sudden, the friend will start feeling such compassion towards the other. And then he would go to the other guy and say, do you know your friend who you're so upset at? Do you know how bad he feels about what he did? And by doing so, he would create a sense of oneness and unity and love among all people. And that's why when he passed, everybody felt a deep personal loss. The Rebbe asks an interesting question, was Aaron lying? How is it possible that Aaron would say that each person wants to forgive the other when it wasn't true? And the Rebbe shares a very powerful insight that is a very important reminder for each one of us. And that is that Aaron wasn't lying. Aaron was seeing what the person really wants to do. Aaron was not seeing what the person is saying or doing. Aaron was able to look deeper and see what the Dishama really wanted. He was able to see that this person really wants to do the right thing. And this person really wants to forgive and really wants to apologize. And the fact that maybe he's not saying that or expressing that does not change one iota of who he really is and what he really wants. And that what is so special about Aaron. And that is the message for each one of us. It is up to us to bring to the fore what every person truly is. Don't judge a person based on how they may seem to be. Judge a person and assess a person based on who they can become. This has been a message that the Rebbe continuously reminded us throughout so many different moments and stories. There's a story about a young man who was caught doing something really bad in the yeshiva high school and when they asked the Rebbe what to do, the Rebbe said, why don't you be just like Aaron? Don't look at what he did, but look at who he really is. And that's the message I want to share with you this week. I challenge you. Think of one person in your life who you judge based on their appearance or based on their actions or decisions or words or directions, and look a little deeper. Allow yourself to see who they really are. And when you do so, and when you uncover their neshama, when you bring to the fore, when you bring up to the surface their very essence, you will uncover an entirely new being. This is the message of this week, and this is the message of this week's story. Open up your hearts for the story of this week, which is directly related to the previous Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson, whose birthday is celebrated tonight. And not only his birthday is being celebrated, but this is also a celebration of the anniversary of his release from capital sentence and imprisonment in Soviet Russia in the 1920s. The previous Rebbe, worked tirelessly to rebuild the institutions of Jewish life that were wrecked by years of communism and from the very beginning he was hounded and attacked by the Russian government and miraculously on this day he was redeemed from prison. So my friends open up your hearts for this week's story which takes us to a small farming town 60 miles away from New York City. The hero of the story of this week was a great Chasid whose name was Rabyanko Lipsker. Rabyanko Lipsker, during the time that he lived behind the Iron Curtain, he was positioned in a credible way to support and to help the Chasidim and the students in the yeshiva. He had a good life to some extent being the manager of a factory and serving as an active participant in the underground Chabad movement. Even though he suffered tremendously from the communism rule, at the same time, he was well positioned to support the secret yeshivas and do his part to strengthen the Jewish community. But then, when the Iron Curtain lifted briefly during the chaotic years after the war, Rabbi Yankel, together with his wife Tybal and their young family escaped to the West, lived in France for a short while, till they came to the United States. And when they arrived in the United States, they chose to live close to the previous Rebbe, in order to try to rebuild their lives and try to live somewhat peacefully. Unfortunately, it began a very difficult period in their life, where they had no livelihood. How was he going to survive? How was he going to live and support his family? Now at the time, there was an interesting phenomena, where some Jewish people decided to give some money to support immigrant Jews who just arrived to move out and open up farming lands. And by doing so, they'll be able to keep Shabbos and support their families. Rabbi Yankel went into a meeting, a yachidus, a private audience with the previous Rebbe, and he said, what can I do about Parnassah, about my livelihood? So the Rebbe said to him, how about this? I want you to go pick up a Jewish newspaper from the corner store, bring it back to my office. And sure enough, Rabbi Yankel ran out to the store, picked up the Morgan Journal, the Jewish Yiddish newspaper, and he brought it back to the Rebbe's room. The Rebbe opened it up, started scanning the classifieds, and all the different ads. And then the Rebbe took his pencil and circled one particular ad for a chicken farm. The Rebbe said, I will lend you $1,000, which at the time was over $10,000 in value today. And you will get some money from the joint and you'll move out and establish yourself in that farm. Sure enough, he moved with his young family to Hightstown, New Jersey, 60 miles southwest of Brooklyn. This farm was a very difficult place to raise a growing Hasidic family. But he asked no questions. And even though the people at the joint told him that that farm is a leading losing proposition, it's not gonna succeed, why don't you look at something else? Rabianko asked no questions. The rabbi told him to go, he's going to go. And sure enough, he settled himself in that farm town. Now, it's important to understand that living a young Hasidic family in the middle of nowhere in the boondocks is a very difficult thing to do. But Rabbi Yankel didn't ask any questions. As soon as he got there, he started searching for nearby Jews. And sure enough, there was quite a few Jewish immigrants in the nearby town, fellow immigrants who came from Europe trying to rebuild their lives as farmers. And even though the farm floundered and the officials from the joint have been correct in their assessment that there was very little potential for this farm to succeed, Yankel didn't stop his spiritual endeavors. The sleepy synagogue in that small town became alive with classes and Torah and prayers as Yankel became the vibrant life force for the Jewish families who lived in that area. Most of them were not observant, were not religious, but every day Yankel would go and do his part to infuse them with the light and the spark of Judaism. At times it got too difficult and he would come back to Brooklyn and he would visit the Rebbe and he would say, I can't live here. There's no money, there's no livelihood, there's no sustenance. The people here are so distant and so far from Yiddishkeit, from Judaism. And the rabbit would look at him and the rabbit would say, you think I sent you to New Jersey to be a farmer? Many others can be farmers. I sent you there to fulfill a divine mission. And thus began the next part of Abianko's life when every single day he would do his part to ignite the souls of these Jews who seemed so lost and so forlorn. But my friends, the reason why I share with you this story is for the following moment a very special experience that happened one weekend. You see, even though it was so difficult for Rabbi Yankel, he would get tremendous joy. And a bright spot in the loneliness and poverty was when the Rebbe would send groups of rabbinical students to the area. They would sleep on the hard benches of the synagogue and they would travel from farm to farm every single day for several weeks, encouraging the farmers to increase their Jewish engagement and reminding them that there's a Jew in Brooklyn who cared about them deeply. Now, it so happened that one week, a group of students arrived before Shabbat. Rabbi Yankel greeted them with so much joy, but they immediately said to him, this week we came with a specific mission and purpose. This week we came because we got a specific instruction from the Rebbe to find out the Hebrew name of a Jew whose name is Mo Green. We need to know his full Hebrew name and his mother's Hebrew name. And that's why we're here. My friends, When you pray for someone, it's important to include their entire Jewish name. Now the Rebbe knew that this Jew, Mo Greenberg, may be lost and may be forlorn. He may seem so distantly gone, but the Rebbe knew that a Jew is a Jew is a Jew. And when the Rebbe looks at a Jew, the Rebbe doesn't see the way the Jew seems, may appear to be. The Rebbe sees who the Jew really is. And therefore, the Rebbe sent this group of three young rabbinical students to this forsaken town of Highstown, New Jersey, for one reason, to bring out the Jew within the Jew, to bring out from the deepest, deepest, deepest recesses of his soul to uncover who Mo Greenberg really is. But there was one problem. Rebbe mind began racing. He knew about everybody in the tight-knit Jewish community, and he couldn't think of anybody named Mo Green. Mo Greenberg. Shabbat morning came, Rabbi Yankel approached the Gabbai, the synagogue caretaker, and he said, maybe you know this guy, Mo Greenberg? Who's Mo Greenberg? The synagogue caretaker looked at him and said, actually, it's amazing you're asking me this question because I know who he is. He actually lives around here, but he never stepped foot in the synagogue, not Yom Kippur and not on Rosh Hashanah, not on Passover and not on Sukkot, never. He is a Jew who was so far gone that he decided after the war to run so far away from his Judaism that he married out of the faith and he has a non-Jewish family and he has no connection to the Jewish people. Yankel hear these words, he's taken by surprise. Who is this person? But before he could gather his thoughts, the caretaker of the synagogue leans over and whispers in his ear, but you know what's shocking? You know what's surprising? That today of all days you ask me about Mo Greenberg, Turn around, Yankel. Oddly enough, this Jew who never shows up, not Rosh Hashanah, not Yom Kippur, he actually came to synagogue this morning, and he's sitting and praying right over there in the far corner. And the caretaker shows discreetly in the direction of a man who's leaning forward, his head in the prayer book, in the far back corner of the synagogue. Rabbi Yankel looks at the stranger, and he realizes his face is familiar every Shabbat morning when Rabbi Yankel would walk the two mile distance from his house to the synagogue, every single Shabbos morning, without fail, he would see this man sitting with a fat cigar in his mouth, waiting at the bus stop for the express bus to Jersey City. Rabbi Yankel realized something dramatic is happening here. He doesn't say a word. He just watches as this man, Mo Greenberg, in the back of the synagogue is praying with such intense concentration, tears streaming down his face. Following prayers, Rabbi Enkel announced there's going to be a special gathering in honor of the visiting rabbinical students who will share words of inspiration. And sure enough, the young rabbinical students get up and they give a passionate speech about the power of the soul and how the Rebbe sent them all the way here to Highstown, New Jersey, to uncover the hidden soul within every Jew. And Rabbi Yankel turns to the person sitting next to him, Mo Greenberg. He made sure to have a seat next to this Jew. And he turns to him and he gives him some schnapps. He gives him some herring, gives him some kichel, some sweet crackers. And Rabbi Yankel raises his glass and he says, My friends, we are celebrating today for the yard sight of my mother. My mother's name was Sheva. And then he turns to Mo Greenberg next to him and he casually says, And what's your mother's name? And sure enough, Mo Greenberg responds and says, My mother was Sarah. With that information, Abiyanko felt that the mission is completed. He says a few more lachaims. He tries to ignite the soul of Mo Greenberg, inspires his neshama. They start singing the songs of their childhood. Mo Greenberg remembering his own parents and his grandparents, feeling as he's back in a little shtetl. Abiyanko knew something special happened today. He doesn't know exactly who Mo Greenberg is but he knows something special happened in that forsaken synagogue and that forsaken town on that Shabbat. Sure enough, the rabbinical students went back to Brooklyn. They gave the Rebbe the name of Mo Greenberg and his mother, Moshe, the son of Sarah, and seemingly the story was over. But the story didn't end. The following Shabbat, as Rabbi Yanke was walking to synagogue, he passed the bus stop, but Mo Greenberg was nowhere to be seen. The same thing happened the next week, and the next week, it seems like Mo has simply disappeared. Do you know what happened to Mo Greenberg? He asked the synagogue caretaker who seemed to know everything about everyone. I haven't seen him now for several weeks. My friends, open up your heart as you listen closely to what the caretaker tells Rabbi Yanka Lipsker in Highstown, New Jersey. He turns to him and he says, you didn't hear. After spending Shabbat in the synagogue with the rabbinical students and all of us, he suddenly got up and he left his non-Jewish family and left town. Everybody's trying to find him. No one knows where he went, not the place where he worked, not the neighbors, not his friends, not even his non-Jewish family. It seems like after spending that special Shabbos with the rabbinical students that the Rebbe sent, he suddenly left his past behind and he moved out of town. My friends, today, the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren of Mo Greenberg are celebrating Shabbat somewhere in this vast universe for one reason. Because the previous Rebbe, whose day, whose holiday we are celebrating this weekend, has felt in his heart the true soul, the essence of Mo Greenberg. And the Rebbe sent those messengers to that forsaken town for one reason. So Yankel Lipsker can look into that Jew's heart and see who he really is and help bring it out to the fore and help him become the Jew who he really was all along. Shabbat Shalom and go out there and ignite the souls of every Jew you can meet.